Maybe you guys are some. Whoa. Maybe. How about like you were riding your bike and you ate it really hard? Anybody like eat it hard on the bike? Skateboarders in there? Any skateboarders in the room? You guys? Have, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Probably lots of fails happening in the room like that. So you guys saw me on crutches for a few weeks. A little confession time, right? So here's how I ended up on crutches. I was, I had a workout fail. I was in the gym. I twisted wrong. And I just feel this like pop, just like that on the side of my knee. And I'm like, it's not that bad. Like it hurt a little bit, but it was cool. I just sat there. I was just going to like kind of let it go away. And then there's a knock on the door. And I go to like walk over there to let somebody in. And the second I like put weight on my leg, it was like collapsed. I was like, oh, so I can't walk on it. And that's great. So I like get up because there's this person at the door. I drag myself to the door. And the second I open it, I was just like, hey, what's up? <laughs> just like open the door, lean on the wall so they didn't know I was hurt. And they came in, did their thing. I waited. I sat down and pretended like I was stretching. Well, I mean, I was like, I was stretching, but I didn't want them to know I was hurt. So I'm like smiling, I'm like, have a good day now. And they walk out, you know. Once the door is closed, I get up. I'm like trying to walk again. And I almost fall. And somebody else at the door. So we do the same thing all over again. I'm like, Hey, what's up? Come on in. And I pretend I'm stretching again. It was like this. So I just did not want them to know I was hurt. Like that was the whole deal. So they leave and I'm like, all right, so how do I get to my truck from here? Like across, I got to go all the way out and walk out to my truck. And so the second I see that nobody's around, I basically like crawl to my truck, dragging myself through the dirt and finally get in the truck, drive home, get my crutches. It was like a whole deal. And I'm thinking to myself when I was driving home, that was ridiculous. Why didn't I just ask? I had two people walk by me that could have helped me to my truck, but I was so prideful, I had to be like, no, I'm cool. Like, I didn't get hurt being stupid. And I, like, sat down and, like, stretched out, you know, like, the whole deal. And instead, I'd rather drag myself on the ground to my truck. Like, it made no sense. But it was my pride that jumped in the way that I just wanted to hide the fact that I was, like, in need in the moment, like, a lot of pain. It hurt really bad. You still see me limping around, like it's still sore and like recovering. But in the moment, I didn't want anyone to know that, right? Sometimes we do that with our pain. We want to hide it. We get to a point where it hurts and we're like, you know what? It's kind of embarrassing if people know that I'm hurting right now. And not just physical pain like that, but a lot of times we do that when we're hurting inside. Something happens in our family or at school or just you're just walking around heartbroken And you don't want people to know. There's almost like an embarrassment or maybe like guilt or shame somehow wrapped up in there. And so what we do, we might not even know why. We hide it. We don't want people to know we're hurting. It's easier if people don't ask us questions about our pain, then we don't have to face it. We don't have to talk about it. We just pretend it's not there and like emotionally just like stretch out and be like, hey, I'm fine. We just don't want people to know. So as we finish our series tonight, Asking for a Friend, and James is talking to us about how to live like the Christian life and walk this life practically, he's going to talk to us about repentance. He's going to talk to us about that pain a little bit, that, that temptations maybe that we have in our heart that we keep trying to hide because we don't want people to know. I don't want them to know that's a struggle for me because they're going to think less of me or like they're not going to like me anymore or they'll make fun of me or, or whatnot. And so we want to hide it. So James is going to give us a better solution than just masking it and putting on this fake smile and making people think that we're all cool and we're good super Christians going to church and our lives are fine. There's actually a better, healthier way that God can come inside and he can do some awesome work in us to actually heal that pain. 
actually restore it and redeem it and do something awesome in you even when you're in the middle of a battle or temptation or pain. And so let's see what James has to say to us tonight. We're in James 5. We're finishing up our series tonight, verses 13 to 20. It says this. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it didn't rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. James starts off, remember, he's been talking to us a little bit here about the way we treat each other, the way we value each other. And sometimes we want to judge people. He's like, hey, remember, you're not the judge. You're not the law. You're not the law giver. You're not good enough. You're not perfect enough to be that. But the one who is going to judge is standing right in the door. He's on his way in. So justice is coming. Let him do it. And he was talking to us about the rich and and, and looking at the poor and saying, man, I'm better than you because I have money. I have wealth. I have status. And you don't. And he's, he's kind of walking us through all these situations in our lives where we tend to look at other people and think we're better than them. And he keeps reminding us, like, that's not, that's not it at all. We're all equally broken, equally saved by the same blood of Jesus who loves all of us enough to go to a cross to die for us. And so as he's talking about these, like, relational things, these conflicts and this brokenness in our relationships, he ends with this at the end of his book. And so when he says, is anyone among you suffering? He's talking to a bunch of people who are in, tri- in tribulation, who are in persecution. He knows there's suffering happening. And you know what his solution is? Let him pray. I wonder how often prayer is our first go-to move when things are going wrong. And not just like our last resort when it's like, man, I have no other options here. I better go to God because I don't know what else to do. James is like, hey, your first thing should be to go to the Lord and pray. What's your go-to move when things aren't going well? What do you go to to find like peace in your heart or try to cover up the pain? Is it like a best friend that you talk to immediately? That's the first thing you do. Something goes wrong, you go to that friend that you know will listen and hug you and talk you through it and comfort you. Is it a friend? Or maybe for some of us, it's like, man, you just get those headphones on and you start listening to music or playing the video games and you hide in that virtual world to just kind of like forget reality for a while and you just like forget about the pain and just go into another place. Or maybe you just lock yourself in your room because you just can't stand being around people when you're hurting and you just need that quiet to like get in your little cave and just be alone. Or maybe you're that one I described earlier that puts the fake smile on. You just don't want people to know that you're hurting at all. And so you walk right in in the world with your mask. And you're like, no, I'm fine. Maybe even some of us use drugs or alcohol or other things 
to dull that pain, to hide it, to avoid it, to, to act like it's not there. There's so many different things that we could do to even hurt ourselves just as a way to like avoid that pain and that suffering. And James is like, hey, what's your go-to move? All of those things, they're not good enough. It's not that some of them are, are, are kind of good. They're not bad, but they shouldn't be your like solution to suffering. He's like, here, here it is. Pray. Like, get before God, the creator of heaven and earth, the one that loves you enough to, like, form you out of the clay, breathe life into you, save you when you've sinned, send his only son to a cross to die for you and hold every molecule of your being together forever. I think he loves you enough and he's powerful enough to handle your suffering. Will you just go to him? Just walk up to him and say, God, like, this is what I'm going through. I'm not going anywhere else first. You are my first solution. I'm coming to you. James says, pray, get on your knees and get with Jesus when things are going wrong. Here's why. Because Jesus invites you. He wants you to do it. He invites you to go to him first. He's got his arms open. He's like, hey, listen, come to me, those who are burdened, heavy laden. Those who are suffering, come to me. My arms are open wide. I want to be your first choice for comfort when you're suffering. Do you go to Jesus? Those of you guys who are here tonight and you're suffering, you're going through some stuff, you brought some pain to Firehouse tonight. You're carrying it with you in your seat right now. Have you gone to Jesus? Have you accepted his invitation to say, come pray, like talk to me, let me handle this first. I want to encourage you, that should be your first stop. He's waiting, he wants you to bring it. Then he says this, he goes on, he says, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Some of you guys are in the room tonight and everything's great. And you're like, my life's awesome. God's been blessing. I have so many things going right. Have you stopped to go to him and literally prayed in like a prayer of praise to say, thank you? God, thank you for all these amazing things you've done in my life. Or are you so caught up with the amazing things? You forgot to stop and go, Lord, you gave me all of this. Thank you for giving me this. Thank you that things are going well. Thank you that my life is able to honor you right now. Have you sung praise and prayed to him? You see, he's always the first choice, whether it's suffering or cheerfulness, it's Jesus. That's where we run. That's where we go. James is like, is he the first person you run to? Is he the one that you seek out? Then he says this, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, this word sick is an interesting word. It's used in a kind of a, a couple different ways. The way it's used most in scripture is to mean the word weak, weak. And so here, it, it, this version uses the word sick, but it can have this understanding of like someone who's, who's weak, not just in their body, but also like in their spirit. And so it makes a lot of sense when he's talking about tribulation and broken relationships and persecution that people would be listening and just feeling defeated. Like, I don't even know what to do anymore. I'm trying to live for God. I've heard these people, the the apostles, they're out here preaching about Jesus and how he died on a cross and rose again. And I've trusted him and I'm trying to live for him. And then the world's coming over here and they're taking my friends, throwing them in pits and throwing stones on them and killing them for saying the name of Jesus. James, what do I do? 
This is hard. Following Jesus is difficult, and I feel defeated and weak right now, and I'm just not sure if I can take another step. Or people in the room saying, man, I feel weak and defeated because, like, there's this sin and temptation in my life that keeps kicking my butt. And I want to I do it so bad, but I know God said no because it doesn't honor him. The second I get alone, it's just all my mind can think of, and my flesh just keeps pulling me into the same temptation over and over, and I feel defeated and weak. So he says, listen, if that's how you feel, if anyone among you is weak, let him call for the elders of the church, pastors and, and people who have walked in the faith, who can come around you, he says, and let them pray over him. Again, the solution is prayer. Whatever you're going through in life, whatever phase you're in, happy, sad, broken, defeated, weak, the answer is always go to the feet of Jesus. If you get confused, like, how should I live my Christian life? What should I do right now? I'm facing a choice. How do I find the right decision? Here's the answer. Go to Jesus. Every time, go to Jesus. Get on your knees before God and pray and admit your weakness. Don't try to hide it with some mask. Go to him in honesty and just lay it out. But here it says something even a little more. Because it says, let them pray over him. They're talking about the elders of the church. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. We're not made to do this alone. Like if you're fighting a battle tonight, don't do it alone. If you're suffering tonight, don't do it alone. If there's pain and hurt in your heart or your family, you don't have to face it alone. Not only is the Lord there for you and wants to be that first stop that you make, but he's surrounded you with a family of believers that love him and they love you. You don't have to face it alone. You've got small groups, you've got a youth group, you've got an entire church here that wants to walk through that pain with you. And maybe it's a time of joy. Let us celebrate together with you. If you're facing temptation and you feel weak and defeated, let us encourage you. Let us get around you and pray for you. We're not designed to do it alone. Go to God first. Then he says this, and the prayer of faith that they give you will save the one who is weak or sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Prayer is so powerful. I don't know where you stand tonight with prayer. It's always one of those topics where when we talk about it, this side of the room is like, yeah, I've seen God work in like crazy, awesome, powerful ways. I have stories and testimonies. I can tell you about when God came through and answered prayer and it blew my mind and they're all for it. But then you've got this side of the room over here that's like, hey, listen, like, I don't know. I don't feel like God even hears me. I'm not sure he's answered my prayers. I don't know if prayer even works. Got kind of like divided rooms usually when we bring up the word prayer. And what James is promising us here tonight is that it's powerful. The reason why he says go to God first is because James knows just how powerful prayer is. It works. God actually loves you. God actually cares what you're going through, and he is the most powerful being in existence. So he can work. And he will, he'll get to work as you bring your prayers before him. He says, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. We're not doing some magic chant. We're not like exercising some superhuman powers when we do this. It's Jesus 
at work. He hears your request and he's moved by your faith. That you would go before him and say, God, I can't do any of this. It's like you and I go before him and realize how, how weak we really are. We humbly go and say, like, I can't fix this problem. I'm coming to you first. And Jesus is the one who steps up, flexes his muscles, and does things that will blow your mind if you trust him. And when I say trust him, I mean he gets to make the choice. That's where we we tend to step in and go, it better work out this way. Let me dictate the terms to you of how this prayer is going to work out. He doesn't say that. It might not be solved the way you're looking for. It might be solved better. Sometimes I get frustrated with that. I'm like, God, but I thought it was going to happen this way. And God's like, Rob, you don't even know yet how awesome this is going to be. Because you haven't seen it all play out. And here I sit, grumpy, mad at him, like, you didn't do what I asked. And he's like, I did way better. Just wait and see. It's powerful. When you actually get with believers and you get together and you have humble hearts and full faith in your heart to pray to God, it unleashes a world of power around you because your God is strong. Not because we are. We fall weak at his feet and he shows off his power. It says, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. When you come in your weakness, right, and you're like, God, but I'm facing sin that keeps coming in, and I just can't seem to, like, stop. The solution is go to God and get surrounded by people and do what's difficult. Admit it. Bring that darkness, that sin out of the darkness into the light. Expose it and say, listen, I have an issue here. I don't want to sit in my sin. I don't want this thing to keep defeating me. But I want you to come around me and pray for me and encourage me and lift me up that God would free me from this stronghold that I have in my life. This sin that keeps showing up and I can't seem to get free from, will you pray? And this amazing thing happens as those people come around you with faith in Jesus, all asking together the same request of God. Free this person from their sin. Fill their heart with courage, faith, that they would step up out of their weakness and be made strong in you. And look what he says. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. That prayer is so powerful that like in the middle of your sin as you pray in repentance, repentance does this incredible thing. It frees you from sin. It's a literal 180 turn as I'm doing sin and I say, you know what, I'm done. I turn around, I start walking in a completely different direction in my life and I leave it behind. And the direction I'm walking in is Jesus. I choose Christ over this stuff. And when, when you have this group around you that loves God and they're praying and encouraging you to do it, something incredible happens that allows you to be able to make that choice and repent. It says it frees you and forgives you of that sin so you can now follow Jesus. And you're not doing it alone. You got people coming alongside of you, locking arms with you saying, come on, let's go encouraging you, keeping you accountable, helping you. Every time you go to slip, they stop you and say, listen, wait, hold on. Remember where your eyes need to be fixed. You could do this because Jesus is in you, because he's powerful, because he loves you, and they help you up and you continue to walk. You try to do it alone, you're sitting there on your own. He didn't design you to do it on your own. He made us a family so we could do it together. 
I'm pumped that you come to a place like Firehouse, that you come to find friends that love Jesus, leaders that love Jesus, that you come and you listen to the word because that's what's gonna change our lives. As we move forward together, God's gonna work in our heart. He's gonna make us in the image of his son. But listen, we've gotta get on our knees humbly and say, God, do it. Be our first stop. Let us pray to him when we need him. Let us praise him when he's been good and give him thanks. And so James says this, he says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray to one another that you may be healed. I know that's hard. I know it almost sounds like this weird, like, like Roman Catholic thing where you walk into like a confessional and talk to a priest and you like confess your sins. That's not what he's saying here. It's not this guilt and shame to be forgiven. It's the fact that Jesus has already saved you and forgiven you. And now you're free to take your sin and say, listen, I need help with this. And you go to some trusted brothers and sisters in Christ and you guys share together this intimacy. Say like, I need you to hold me accountable. I need you to help me. Here's what is going on in my life. And we confess those things together. You're not walking around in the hallways and like spewing out all of your dirty laundry or anybody else's. It's not like this gossip time, but it's a time for like intimate relationship to happen for you to say, let's do this together. I'm struggling and I need some people around me to love me and help me move forward. Don't just sit in your sin. You don't have to stay there. You don't have to feel powerless. You can have the power of Jesus in you if you're willing to ask. You can find healing. You can confess in a way that's guarded. People will hear you and they will take it serious and love you enough to serve you by holding you accountable. And then he says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. He doesn't mean like you have to be this perfectly behaved human to like have a powerful prayer. When he says a righteous person, he means someone who's surrendered all that sin in their heart before God and admits they're broken. I'm righteous because I know that I can't do this on my own. I need the blood of Jesus covering me to make me righteous. So when I fall at Jesus' feet, God makes me righteous. It takes repentance. It takes surrender to stop and be like, I can't do this. And as that happens, someone who is able to lay their sin at the feet of Jesus, it says, man, there is great power that comes to work in that prayer. But when we go to Jesus and our life is like full of sin and we're distracted by all these temptations and we're trying to ask God for things, we are so divided. You know, we're like, we're going to God acting like this holy person, like, hey, God, can you give me these things? And really, in the back of our mind, we know all the guilt and shame we feel for everything that we still love about this earth. All the sins that we're still neck deep in. Our hearts are still slaves to all this other stuff and we're trying to get convinced God to do things for us. It's like we're totally divided. But when you can take all that and lay it at his feet and just with a free heart stand before him and say, God, I'm broken. God, I surrender it all to you. And we have a free, freed up heart to say, God, I need you to do these things. Will you help? That's a powerful prayer. A prayer from someone who has surrendered to the point of righteousness. God is going to work and blow your mind because you come to him with faith, with an undivided heart that says you have to do this. 
Will you work in my heart? Then he brings up Elijah. Elijah was a man, it says, just like us. But Elijah was able to actually pray and close up the heavens so like it didn't rain for three and a half years. Imagine being able to say that prayer. We've talked about Elijah before in Firehouse, in this very passage when he did this. Like literally just stops raining. There's drought for three and a half years because of his prayer. That's an insanely powerful prayer. And then when he prayed the next time, it starts to rain. He can just like call the rain down because of the power of God in him. That's the comparison that James makes. Now listen, I'm not talking like you're going to be Superman, but I am saying James says there's some crazy untapped power available to you, and you shouldn't be in love with the power, but you should be in love with the one who's offering it. If you go to him because you love him and you lay everything at his feet, get ready for him to do some crazy work in your life that you're not even going to be able to imagine. That's how powerful your God is. Get him out of that little box that you keep holding him in and realize how big he is and how much he loves you. Fall at his feet and pray. Say, God, do this in me. Free me from pornography. Free me from lust. Free me from gossip. Free me from pride. Free me from whatever the thing is or the things are that are enslaving you tonight. God, wreck them. Knock them down. Free me up to live in you. And he says this at the end. He says, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, stop right there. What a beautiful thing to have a friend who's wandering away and you're able to step into their life and say, listen, you're wandering toward the cliff. Let me help you find your way back onto the path. Let me help you find your way out of that addiction that you're in, out of that thing that's going to wreck you. How beautiful for a friend to actually love their friend enough to Ignore what the world's saying right now about tolerance and like letting people be people and say, no, God's word is truth. And if you're going against God's word, it's going to destroy you. And I love you enough to tell you to not be scared to step into your life. And you might get mad at me and walk away from me and it might ruin our friendship, but I love you too much to stay silent. And how beautiful when you do that and that friend is brought back onto the right path, into the center of God's will. How awesome would it be if God used you in the life of your family or your friend or your classmate, somebody in your life to be able to watch them walk back to Jesus because of your influence. Too often our influence drags people away from Jesus. Maybe tonight you're tired of that. Maybe tonight you're ready to be the influence that walks people back to Christ instead of away from him. Maybe it's your life that you want to see changed tonight. He says, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sin. Don't underestimate the power that you have to influence the people around you with the love of Jesus. It can change not just their life. It can change their eternity. There's nothing bigger than that. So as we close tonight, I just want to, I want to leave you with this. God gave us each other. He brought us here for a reason. When you run out of strength and your brothers and sisters are around you, 
Would you call them and say, listen, I'm defeated. (laughs) I need some prayer. I need some love. I need you to lift me up before Jesus. Drench me in prayer tonight. Lift me up in faith. And will you be that for someone else who might need it? We are in this together. God's given us each other as a gift. So listen, here's here's what I want to ask you. Who needs prayer tonight? Who needs Jesus to step into their heart tonight and to free them from some temptation and some defeat, some weakness? I want to invite you in a second as the band comes back up here. I want to invite you guys who would say, I need some prayer like that tonight. Not the way we normally pray at Firehouse, but tonight I want to invite you to come forward and I want to pray with you. As the band's playing, I want to be able to pray this prayer over you. And maybe some of your friends would come up and we pray and we ask God, we say, listen, I feel weak tonight. I want you to make me strong. I want you to give me freedom from sin. I want you to heal this thing in me that's been broken for a long time. To step forward when I call and say, listen, I need prayer tonight. Or maybe you ask God and say, are you calling me to go pray over a friend? Have the courage to step out of my aisle, walk up front, put my hands on them and pray. And together, be in it together. Say, God, do this in us tonight. Will you stand up and sing with us?